Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, you can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can also subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your other podcasts, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Pocket Casts. What am I missing? I'm not really sure. Those are the only ones I know off of the top of my head. If you subscribe to the podcast, anytime a new episode drops, it'll automatically be up loaded to your feed for you to download and listen and enjoy. So please do that. You can also follow me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. And uh, yeah, if you have any feedback for the show, you can send that to LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com. This week on the podcast, we're looking back at some of the great moments in franchise history. Uh, On Monday, we looked at how the Bruins came to be, how they got their name, and some championships in the early years. And today we're going to be looking at a great moment in franchise history that really helped me become a fan, uh, not become a fan of this team, but to really cement my love for it and for Cam Neely in particular. Also going to look at some mailbag questions and take a look at some news and notes from around hockey and pertaining to our Boston Bruins specifically. Now first, as I said, we're going to get into one of the great moments in franchise history, and that for me is Cam Neely's 50 goals in 44 games. That happened back in the 1993-94 season. Uh, Cam Neely was my favorite player growing up uh, watching this team. If you remember, on his 21st birthday, which is in June uh, of 1986. His birthday is June 6th. And if you recall, I'm pretty sure the Bruins scored eight goals against the Canucks on June 6th in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final in 2011, which was pretty cool. Anyways, um, he played for the Portland Winterhawks of the Western Hockey League, led the team to a Memorial Cup championship, and was selected... Ninth overall by the Vancouver Canucks in 1983. In 1986, like I mentioned, Neely was traded along with Vancouver's first pick, which was third overall at the 1987 NHL entry draft, used to take Glenn Wesley. And in exchange, the Bruins sent Barry Peterson to the Vancouver Canucks. Peterson at the time, was coming off a 76-point season for the Bruins. He had previously recorded seasons of 107 points, 116 points, uh, injured in 1984-85, so he had 12 points in 22 games, uh, but then had 76 points, as I mentioned, including 29 goals in the season prior to being traded. Uh, The Canucks were... Um, looking for some offense, third lowest scoring team in the league the previous year and wanted to add a local boy uh, who, while originally from Saskatchewan, he had played junior hockey in nearby Nanaimo in Victoria. Um, So really looking back, that was a steal for the Bruins, obviously, and 
the Canucks made a very short-sighted move there, and it really kind of reminds me of the uh, Tyler Sagan for Louis Erickson base deal, but uh, not quite comparable, I would I would suppose, because there was a lot more elements involved in there. But to get a young player plus a first-round pick, which ended up being third overall, so that shows you that the oh, maybe it's more akin to the the Phil Kessel trade for two picks, uh, even though one was already a player. Anyways, that's how Boston came to acquire Cam Neely. Canucks head coach Tom Watt said that um, he wasn't very impressed with Cam Neely's defense. That made him tradable, so that kind of reminds us of the not just another 30-goal score quote from uh, the scenes when Sagan was traded. Um, but almost immediately, it became apparent that Boston had received the better end of the deal. Cam Neely himself said, I was surprised at the trade, really didn't know what to expect once I got to Boston, had no idea that my career would turn out the way it did for those 10 years. From day one in training camp, I just wanted to get the opportunity to play. The coaches said, let's see what he can do. As time went by, I got more and more confidence. Never really thought I'd be a 50-goal scorer, but I was given a chance to contribute offensively, not just physically. In his first full season with the club following the trade, he had 36 goals, which led the Boston Bruins in that category. He jumped from 14 uh, with the Canucks to 36 with the Bruins. Uh, He then had seasons of 42 goals, 37 goals, 55 goals, and then uh, 50 one goals, and then finally the 50 and 49, which we'll get to here in a moment. Um, so he did also lead. I don't know if he led the team, but he had 72 points that season, had 143 penalty minutes, and really had to find that balance between his offense and that physical aspect of his game. Uh, he had a hard, accurate, quick shot. And he was willing to engage in the more physical aspects of the game as well. And that obviously gave him um, an advantage kind of in front of the net as well. And kind of became that archetypal, archetypical, is that a word? Uh, Power forward that a lot of teams have sought after in the years since. Maybe not as much these days, but, uh, you know, that Milan Lucic type. Now, in... Game three of the 1991 Eastern Conference Finals, as we all remember, and I still have bad feelings towards this man to this day. Oh, Samuelson checked our boy Neely and injured his knee. The Penguins went on to win that series, of course, and Neely would play only 22 games over the next two seasons as a result of that knee injury. Devastating blow to his Uh, career and to the Bruins, of course. But in 1993-94, Cam Neely scored his 50th goal in his 44th game of the season. Only Wayne Gretzky had scored 50 goals in fewer games. Now, this milestone is unofficial because, uh, you know, to get 50 in 50, according to NHL rules or whatever, it has to be in the first 50 games a team plays from the start of the season. Um, so some other players have also unofficially reached the milestone, like McGillney, Yari Curry, Bobby Hull. Neely was regularly listed as a healthy scratch 
in back-to-back game situations to rest his knee, kind of a load management situation. Uh, But he did indeed get that 50th goal in his 44th game of the season, which I believe was the Bruins' uh, 66th game, perhaps, something like that. And um, that, to me, is a great moment in Bruins history, not only because of the injuries that he was playing through, the fact that only Gretzky had done it in fewer games, uh, but just goes to show you how resilient Cam Neely was, how devoted he was to the Bruins, how much he wanted to score, how much he wanted to help this team win and make good on those very talented early 90s teams. Although, as we all know, it that never came uh, to fruition, sadly. Neely's efforts that season were rewarded not only in the form of that, um, you know, historical goal output, but also in the uh, being recognized as the winner of the Masterton Trophy for perseverance in hockey after the 1993-94 season. Uh, obviously, the Bruins have since retired number eight in his honor, making him the tenth player to have his number retired by the team, and. Despite his shortened career, ultimately he was forced to retire due to a degenerative hip issue. Um, Only Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Brett Hall scored at a better goals per game average over the course of an NHL season. And only 10 players have scored a better goals per game average over their career than Cam Neely. Like I said, he reached the 50 goal mark three times, played in five All Star games, and was named the league's second All Star team right winger in multiple seasons. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2005. He said, to be honest, I never concerned myself too much with the Hall of Fame, just like I never concerned myself with numbers when I played. I just tried to do my best and work hard. Whether I played well or not was another story. And then two years later, Neely was appointed vice president of the Boston Bruins, named president in 2010. And on Wednesday, June 15th, 2011, Neely returned to British Columbia as the Bruins faced the Canucks in the first Stanley Cup Finals Game 7 in Bruins history and watched his team win 4-0 to win their first Stanley Cup since 1972, allowing him to lift the cup after it had eluded him as a player. Cam Neely, number 8, my favorite Bruin of all time. I have two Neely jerseys and, you know... I have nothing but respect for our team president. Now allow me to talk to you for a moment about Postmates. I kind of love them right now because I can get food delivered to my door without leaving the house or even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world with social distancing, Postmates has created non-contact deliveries. So when you order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside your door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which you can use to order takeout from your favorite local restaurants. And right now, we should all be doing our part to support local businesses. They don't just deliver burgers or sushi. You can get stuff delivered from Walgreens, 7-Eleven, dropped right outside your door. Just download the Postmates app on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. Now, for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, just download the app and use the code LOCKEDON. 
That's code locked on for $100 of free delivery for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it. Postmate it. Let's jump now into some mailbag questions. Got a few good ones this week. And the first one comes from Greg Acker at Aches and Pains 1. Oh, great, great handle there, uh, Greg. He said, what percentage of Bruins fans would feel comfortable in an arena? If you went mandatory face masks for entrance, I think that drastically eases public anxiety. This, of course, is in relation to COVID-19, the NHL pause, and if and when hockey will resume anytime soon. Right now, the plan seems to be hosting games in uh, not neutral sites, but in various NHL cities where a bunch of teams would kind of gather and play in empty arenas for the time being. Um, Tori Krug was actually asked about this uh, yesterday. I'm going to mention some other Tori Krug notes, but um, he said, you know, about playing in empty arenas. He said, I think it's going to be a lot different if we play in an empty arena. That being said, the ultimate prize is lifting the cup and playing for that and competing. There's a lot of pride that is on the line. Anytime you put the Boston Bruins sweater on, you take a lot of pride and want to be victorious. So once you're on the ice, you're in the moment, you're in the game, you're trying to accomplish your ultimate goal as a group. But there's a different emotional level, and it's pretty special standing in the hallway at TD Garden waiting to go on the ice for warm-ups or the anthem, and you can just hear the fans screaming and the music playing. He said, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. I hope one day we can get back there sooner or later. In terms of being kind of sequestered, he added, I think guys want to be with their families at this time, so it will be tough to tear guys away from their families. There's just so many hurdles that need to be jumped over in order for this thing to get up and running again. Who knows if it will happen? We all hope it does. We have a chance to get back and play. If it doesn't, then that means we're taking the right steps to make sure everyone is safe and healthy and we can attack this thing at a different time. And I think that's so key. Um, I think when hockey does resume, it will undoubtedly be played in front of empty arenas for the time being, whether or not that's the 2019-20 season playoffs or if we skip right to 2020-2021. I personally would not be comfortable going to a sporting event at this time until, you know, there's sufficient green lights. I just went to the grocery store yesterday wearing a mask, and even that was pretty anxiety-inducing just based on, you know, having to line up to get in and uh, plastic coverings all around and and things like that, shields between me and the cashier. Um, So I think once... Fans are permitted back into arenas. It will probably be a gradual thing. I don't know if there'll be a certain number of seats between fans or what, but or if you can sit with you know family members in your residence or what or how that's going to work. But I think there are uh, enough concerns to warrant some sort of um, uncomfortability, and a lot of people choosing not to. Uh, go to these events now if tickets are reduced to encourage fans to come in then who knows but uh, i don't see jeremy jacobs doing that to be quite honest c garrett padilla asks 
Your personal, okay, top three or five players that started their careers elsewhere but retired as Bruins. He adds your personal favorites as uh, an addendum. For instance, my favorite is Mark Recchi, but was also a fan of Rick Nash and, of course, Cam Neely. Cam Neely, as I've already mentioned, is my favorite all-time Bruin, (laughs) so he would, of course, be on uh, the top of my list of players, started their careers elsewhere, but retired as Bruins. Zdeno Chara would obviously be on that list as well. Chara, as we all remember, was drafted by the New York Islanders and then was involved in a trade with the Ottawa Senators where, in a kind of like a similar deal to Neely, uh, he was traded to the Ottawa Senators along with uh, New York Islanders first-round draft pick who ended up being Jason Spezza and uh, in exchange for Alexi Yashin who was kind of past his prime as well. So that obviously uh, was a huge deal for the Senators at the time. For whatever reason, they decided not to re-up with Chara and allowed him to walk as an unrestricted free agent, choosing instead to re-sign Wade Redden. And um, so, yeah, Chara signed as a free agent on the same day as Mark Savard, who might also be one of my favorite uh, Bruins who began their careers elsewhere and whose career was, as we all know, uh, cut tragically short by concussion issues. Wow, this is such a great question because there's a lot of players who have spent a lot of time with the Bruins and who have been part of the core. I think of Tim Thomas, who had a long and winding road to the NHL. I think of Tuka Rask, who was drafted by the Maple Leafs and traded for Andrew Raycroft. But then there's also... Uh, like Garrett mentioned, those trade deadline acquisitions who you get so pumped that they appear in Bruins jerseys like Rick Nash, uh, Yaramir Yager, uh, Rich Peverly is up there for me. Uh, those guys, you you know, don't spend a lot of time with your team, but are exciting um, trade deadline acquisitions. So, I mean, certainly the top three for me would probably be um, Neely, Chara, Tim Thomas, but I'd also, like I said, throw Savard in there. I'd throw Rick Nash in there, Yager, uh, Peverly as a kind of personal favorite of mine. Uh, But this is something that I think is worth exploring a bit more as well. And and, uh, it's a really great question. Uh, The third question this week comes from Sean Woodley, who is in charge of the Locked On NHL Network and is based in Toronto. He's the host of the Locked On on Raptors podcasts and he asks of the many Leafs teams in the Bruins have beaten which one scared you the most uh well I guess there's been three versions of this team lately and I think to be honest the 2019 Maple Leafs scared me the most as we remember uh the Bruins were well favored to win in 2013 and it really shouldn't have gotten to game seven in the first place Pulled off the miraculous comeback, but I wouldn't say that was the strongest Leafs team. Um, in 2018, went to Game 7, and that was with Nazem Kadri suspended and some of their younger guys not being as experienced. Last year, uh, the Leafs had, in theory, Kadri back in the lineup. They had added John Tavares over the previous year, and they had uh, Jake Muzzin added had helped to boost the defense and guys like 
Matthews, Marner, Nylander, all a year older as well. So pretty much all season long, I assumed that Toronto would finish ahead of the Bruins in the regular season standings and give them a home ice advantage, which would be uh, something that would have changed over the previous two playoff meetings. Luckily, that wasn't the case for the Bruins. Nazem Kadri somehow ended up with his head up his ass again and got suspended. So neutralizing that threat. And uh, even though the Leafs had a chance to wrap things up on home ice in game six, our Bruins were able to get the job done. Uh, that was on Easter Sunday. I, as a Bruins fan, was watching that game with my Maple Leafs fan relatives. So that was an interesting situation. And then on uh, in Game 7, the Bruins once again were able to come through. So last team's team for sure really scared me. I don't think the Leafs this year were as strong uh, with some uh, questions on defense. A bit thinner up front, perhaps, with the trade of Nazem Kadri. And um, again, the Bruins weren't on track to play them in the first round. Um, and my guess is Tampa would have beaten them this year. so. That would have been a moot point. But uh, yeah, last year's team, I really think, could and should have gotten the job done against the Bruins. Uh, but, you know, Toronto, Toronto once again. Let's finish now with some news and notes from around the NHL. I mentioned Tory Krug. Uh, he joined Bruins season ticket holders on Tuesday, April 28th, for a discussion, town hall meeting, as some other players have had as well. I mentioned his comments on. Uh, playing in front of empty arenas. And I thought it would be worth visiting his thoughts on being a UFA this summer. He was asked, how much have you thought about your upcoming UFA status? And have there been any negotiations as of late? He said, there haven't been any discussions. Um, no one knows what the financial implications are going to be for the league and each individual team for years to come. That's still being sorted out. I didn't anticipate anything like this coming out of it. Obviously very happy, and I've said all along, I want to be part of this group, part of this locker room, and part of the city. It's become home for us. We love it. Uh, you heard Fenway bark earlier. We named our dog Fenway. How much more Boston can I get? Um, he also added, uh, we also assumed there would be some sort of answers by July 1. Who knows if we will be able to uh, you know, even broach free agency by that point. So he said he's just trying to live in the present, enjoy what he has, and hopefully get a chance to finish the season. Um, James Myrtle of The Athletic posted something today on kind of uh, the 31 teams and who's in the best financial spot heading out of all this mess, and he ranked the Bruins as ninth, actually. So that's very encouraging. They'll have some room to uh, get their RFAs re-signed and hopefully be able to re-sign Krug as well. Uh, but it may come at the cost of, you know, turning his back on the best possible deal on the open market. Uh, Zdeno Chara has also been in the news. He said he's not planning to retire after whatever is left of 2019-20. Uh, this was in, um, he was on Sportsnet's After Hours over the weekend. He said, definitely not getting ahead of myself. I'm still in the present, still believe that we're going to play some sort of hockey this season. 
But if not, he sounds as though he wants to return for yet another season. Uh, so he's a UFA. The Bruins will have to fit him in as well. But I would expect, you know, they'll be able to come to a uh, an agreement. And I, I wouldn't expect him to, to play anywhere else, certainly. Uh, David Krejci. He's going to be a UFA next summer, and there was some speculation that he might retire at the end of his current contract. Uh, he's the highest paid player on the Bruins and maybe go back and finish his hockey career in his native uh, Czech Republic. But he reiterated that he is uh, very much not planning on retiring. That's for sure. He said, I'm going to play after my deal is over. What's going to happen? I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens after next year. Definitely not planning on going into the next season as it being my last. Um, again, whether or not he can resign with the Bruins remains to be seen. I would expect that he would uh, take a bit of a pay cut on his next deal and come back at a reduced rate, which would be great for the Bruins. He's still a very effective player. Um, I wouldn't expect that he'd get... I don't know. I don't know if he'd get blown away by... Uh, contract offers if he does explore the open market but in my mind he he's a career Bruin and very much uh, should be in the black and gold for the rest of his NHL career at the very least so those are some updates on some Bruins still a bit of uncertainty obviously but uh, everybody seems on board with wanting to stick around now um so we talk about a potential resumption to the season. Uh, there are some concerns that are echoing Tory Krug's about kind of being sequestered for months on end and being separated from your families. Uh, Darren Drager of TSN reports um, the NHL is expected to extend its current quarantine period to May 15th. There's also going to be a call with the NHLPA to discuss player concerns regarding a resumption of the season. Those issues include travel, quarantine issues for European players returning to North America. Those guys will have to be quarantined for 14 days. Uh, potential period players could be separated from their families. There's questions that are raised in terms of, you know, what do you do if uh, a player's wife is expecting a baby? What do you do if uh, someone gets sick? If there is a positive test result, if... Uh, there's a family emergency and they need to leave. How does that work? And so that will be discussed by the PA uh, who may indeed who may indeed make those concerns known to the league and that could affect plans to restart the season. And I think those are very valid concerns, to be quite honest. Pierre Lebrun added the league is also considering starting up the 2021 season in December if the end of the current season stretches into September or October. December start would mean a better chance of having fans back in the arenas again. Uh, and Bob McKenzie, this is all from TSN's Insider Trading on April 20, uh, whatever, 8th. Bob McKenzie reports a decision on when to stage the NHL draft could be made next week. And he's pessimistic that it could be held in June before the resumption of the season. Uh, there's a lot of negative vibes around that. And obviously a lot of complications in terms of conditional picks and draft placement, uh, like who selects where, a lot of which is determined by the playoffs as well. Now, I wanted to end with some good news, and this comes from Philadelphia, where Flyers forward Oscar Lindblom 
will undergo his final treatments as he makes progress against Ewing's sarcoma, which is a rare bone cancer. Uh, Assistant General Manager Blett Flar said he feels great considering the condition he's in. Such a great kid. He's determined, and his focus is to play as soon as possible. And we certainly hope that he makes a full recovery and is able to resume his NHL career. That is it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Again, I am your host, Ian McLaren, and I thank you all for taking some time to listen today. We'll be back on Friday uh, with another episode of this pseudo daily podcast as uh, we're taking things down a bit of a notch during this COVID-19 health crisis and the NHL pause. Please do take some time to go and listen to the Locked On NHL podcast, which is uh, always a great listen and features uh, talk from around the NHL as a whole. I hope you are all taking care of yourselves and doing well during this lockdown. Uh, what have I been doing to keep busy? We just finished watching Waco on Netflix, which was um, very good and raised a lot of questions about that incident in my mind. Uh, but that's a topic for another day. I've been watching... Um, what have I been watching? A new season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine on Netflix, which I said yesterday on Twitter belongs in the office Parks and Rec conversation. And a lot of people reacted pretty strongly to that, positively and negatively. So let me know your thoughts on that if you want. And uh, also watching The Last Dance on Netflix as well, which is a very entertaining look at the uh, Chicago Bulls of the 90s and Michael Jordan specifically. Let me know what you're watching, what you're reading, and if you have any recommendations. I'll talk to you guys again in a couple days. And yeah, please do take care of yourselves and hit me up if you need anything at ENC McLaren at LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day. Peace.